It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jags, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s and Jags fans. It's time for our latest Crossover Thursday episode. I'm Corbin Smith for Locked On Seahawks. Glad to be joined by Tony Wiggins of Locked On Jaguars. And this is a game, you look at the records, maybe not a lot of reason to be excited. The Seahawks at 2-5 and five have been very disappointing. Jacksonville coming up their first win. They're 1-5, and five, had a bye week. Going to be heading out to Seattle for the first time since 2013. But there's quite a bit at stake in this game because both teams realistically are still in the playoff hunt, I don't know how in Seattle's case, but only six teams with the winning record of the NFC. They're still in the hunt. Jacksonville's in a division that's still very much up for grabs. They can get hot. And these two teams have a lot of ties, whether it's coaches and players that have changed teams. There's a lot of former Jacksonville players on Seattle and vice versa. So this is kind of an intriguing matchup, despite the fact that the two teams both have five losses apiece before October flips to November Tony, let's talk some key storylines here. Do it. Going into this matchup at Lumen Field, I'm still getting used to saying that. I, I want to say CenturyLink because it was that forever. That. But uh, <laughs> let's talk some key storylines here. Jacksonville on offense, they got the number one pick in this year's draft, Trevor Lawrence. I've watched the last couple games that the Jags have played and been blown away by how much better he looks than he did the first few games of the season. What have you seen from Lawrence up to this point and how encouraged are you by the progress that Jacksonville's making offensively? I'm extremely encouraged by it. And uh, one of the things that I'm encouraged about with him is he's, he's Joe cool. This doesn't look too big for him. At first you could say that it probably looked too big for him when he first came out of training camp, but really what it is was you saw a guy who's super, super talented, who's used to being able to will himself to victory, trying to play hero ball. And that caused some problems that caused him to f- try to force some balls that caused him to not check down. And, uh, you know, you got to check it down when you can in the NFL. You're not going to always hit the big plays that you hit in college. And he trusted that big arm of his and it got him in a little bit of trouble because young guys always have to remember you're not just playing against the the, the, the players on the other side. You're usually playing against some old grimy 35 year uh, assistant coach that you're trying to match wits with and he's going to fool you every time. So Trevor just calmed down and started to trust and believe in his teammates a little bit more. And the coaching staff started to use his teammates. So what happened is you saw a calming effect. You saw the lights not get too big for him on a Thursday night game, matching up with Joe Burrow where he played very well. So, uh, you know, he looks like he's he's going to be the boss and, and be the part and, and a guy who could probably end up one of those top six guys for about 10 years. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, from Seattle's defensive perspective, they've had two pretty solid games on defense after the first five games given up a bazillion yards. It seems like that's the new Seahawks defense. They did it last year. We're on pace to shatter the record 
This year they were on that pace, and I think they now are off of that pace after the last two weeks, but they've been playing against an aging Ben Roethlisberger, and Jameis Winston the other night was really struggling to throw the football accurately in the rain with the wind. So Mm -hmm. take those two games with a grain of salt. I really believe that this is going to be a test for them because of Trevor Lawrence's physical abilities, and that includes his mobility. The, The Seahawks have had a lot of trouble with quarterbacks that can move and run around. And so that is something that's going to be very interesting to watch because this is a team, this is a Seahawks defense that has a lot of talent when you look on paper. Jamal Adams should be one of the best safeties in the league. Bobby Wagner, six-time All-Pro. You've got Carlos Dunlap up front. Puna Ford's one of the most underrated defensive tackles in the league. Jordan Brooks has had his moments where he's looked really good next to Bobby Wagner. Quandre Diggs has been a Pro Bowl free safety. I mean, they've got tons of talent, and yet – They've been getting carved up most of this season. They've had all kinds of issues with communication, coverage breakdowns. Their pass rush was supposed to be a strength, and it hasn't been. So Mm -hmm. it's been a highly disappointing season on defense, and yet this is going to be a pretty good game for them, a nice little litmus test against a player that so far I believe has lived up to the billing in Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and and one of the things that that I think I've grazed over it a little bit, and I'll go back, what makes this tough, and I, I do believe it's going to be a very close game, if you watched the last two against Miami, which was a win in London, and the week before that was a Thursday night game. Well, no, I'm sorry. They they played tough against the Titans and in the first half and then got overrun in the second half. But they led Arizona uh, two weeks prior to that game. They led Arizona at halftime, and then they played on Thursday night on uh, a short week, and they lost on a, a walk-off kick to Joe Burrow in Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, it turned out that they're a pretty good team. So when you look at Arizona, Cincinnati, Tennessee, those three games, they didn't look overmatched until in the second half and two of them. And they lost the the, the Cincinnati game at, at the buzzer. And then of course, against Miami, they came out slow. They didn't get, they didn't panic. They regrouped and then pretty much dominated the second half and then found a way to win the game with two 50 yard kicks uh, at the end of regulation and a fourth yard stop in between. So I think what they've done is they came out of camp not knowing who they were and what they had and used camp as a big tryout, which was a mistake. They've got their footing up underneath them now, and they know who their weapons are. They know who their best guys are. It's Trevor Lawrence. It's James Robinson. It's Marvin Jones Sr. And uh, Jamal Agnew has made some big plays, and they're using him as a speed guy. So now you'll see them start to condense. I know it's a college basketball phrase, but when a coach has, when he gets into the tournament, he shortens his bench. So now you're going to see the Jaguars shorten their bench a little bit, and that's because they now have an identity behind those four or five players that I just mentioned. Yeah, and the Seahawks are the opposite. It feels like they don't have an identity, and part of that has been because for the first time in a decade, Russell Wilson's not taking snaps under center. Iron Man actually got injured. And so he's been out the last two games. He's going to miss at least this game against Jacksonville. They're hoping he'll be back after the bye. There were some reports that he might have the pin removed from his surgically repaired uh, right middle finger this week. But Pete Carroll today kind of shot that idea down. At least he said no. He didn't give us specifics. He's been very coy about this. But they're hoping that he's going to be back in week 10 Geno Smith's had his moments where he's looked good, and then he's had extended periods where he has looked very much like a backup. You know why he hasn't been a starter for quite some time. And so that offense has been trying to find an identity without Russell Wilson. They ran the ball well against Pittsburgh two weeks ago. 
That did not happen against New Orleans on Monday night. Saints have a really good run defense, and the Seahawks just kept trying to run into a brick wall. Wasn't working. Geno Smith was getting harassed. So despite having the weapons they have on the outside, their offense has been uh, pretty underwhelming in the last couple of weeks without Russell Wilson. As expected, there's been a big drop-off in the quarterback spot. And so this is going to be a, a drop-off in quarterback that the Jaguars are going to be facing compared to some of the ones they have faced in recent right. weeks. And so that might give them the advantage, might make them a favorite in this game because winning at Lumen Field is not hard anymore, apparently. The Seahawks are 0-3 now at home. It's just been an unprecedented season. We'll have more time to discuss that as we dive deeper into the show. We're going to get into some concerning matchups here in a minute. But first, this episode of Locked on Seahawks is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team or the away team can come to recharge. I remember always stopping at McDonald's after our two-a-days, and I know that's foreign to a lot of current high school football players, but after four and a half, five hours of practice, nothing was better than a couple Big Macs and some fries to recharge. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say locked on Seahawks watch party? McDonald's, I'm loving it. And this episode is also brought your way by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts in their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need, whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil. They even had a steering wheel cover for my new Dodge Charger. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, let's talk some concerning matchups. And as I mentioned to kick off this show, Tony, even though these teams have pretty underwhelming records and they're near the bottom of the conference standings, there's a lot of talent on Seattle's roster. There's a lot of young talent on Jacksonville's roster. Jacksonville's been playing tough against really good teams for the last month or so. Really, most of the season, they've been very competitive for Urban Meyer. Seattle's been right in the thick of things, even without Russell Wilson. They just can't find a way to finish. So there are certainly going to be a number of matchups in this game that are going to be worth watching. From Jacksonville's perspective on offense, what is a matchup that concerns you the most going against this Seahawks defense that has played a bit better the last two weeks? My immediate concern is because they're banged up on the offensive line uh, as recently as Last week, they played with three backups. And uh, although the guys, most of the guys that they used as backups is reserved, they missed two starters. And then one guy who came in for the starter, Ben Barch, he went out with an injury. So they were getting really thin in the depth. The, the good thing for, for Jacksonville is those guys played well. Uh, and the other thing is, is they had a lot of experience. Even though they played a lot of football, they're just not starters uh, this year for this team. However, it is a concern because, one, even though Trevor is very mobile, you do need to keep him upright and you don't need to get him off of his square and his timing too much. Uh, they haven't uh, had a lot of separation at wide receiver, so he's had to hold on to the ball a little bit longer and he's had to make tighter throws into windows. So if they can't get the run going, 
then those guys in Seattle could pin their ears back. And now it could be a double whammy where if you can't get the run going, play action doesn't work, the linebackers aren't being held, those windows get smaller. And uh, they just can't have any more injuries and they can't have that line depleted anymore because if they do, they're going to tap into their depth, which is their depth behind their depth. And, uh, you know, as well as I do, Corbin, you've covered this for a long time. The more you dig uh, into that bag of offensive linemen, the less the consistency gets and the continuity. So if anything is a problem for me, that's what it is because they desperately need to run the ball. They need to uh, get that going so they can get play action going and, and uh, some short down and distance situations so Trevor doesn't have to hold the ball too long. From Seattle's perspective, the corners have been playing better the last couple of weeks. They got a rookie in Trey Brown that I think needs to be the starter at left corner. They haven't given him that job yet, but he's looked pretty good the last two weeks. DJ Reed's found his comfort zone on the right side, but I still have my reservations. Even with Jacksonville not having DJ Shark, I think LaVisca Sinault and some of the other guys they have could be problems for Seattle's secondary, especially with how up and down that cornerback group is. And I just, I've always been a big fan of Trevor Lawrence. I love what I've seen the last couple of games. I think he is a better quarterback than the last two that the Seahawks have faced. And so we'll find out if the adjustments and, and making the turn, as Pete Carroll said, actually comes true because this is a Jacksonville offense that's got some weapons that can create after the catch. Robinson worries me out of the backfield. Seattle did hold Alvin Kamara to 2.6 yards per carry last week, but they're still third in the NFL in terms of most rushing yards given up this year. So teams have had their way with them up front. So those are two areas that concern me, slowing down Robinson and the receivers on the outside, especially Chenault, with his ability to create after the catch, break tackles. That has not been a strength necessarily for that cornerback group. Worry about Lawrence being able to get some big plays that way in the passing game. Now let's switch gears when the Jacksonville Jaguars are on defense. You aren't facing Russell Wilson, so you got that in the bag. You don't have to worry about number three in this game, but the Seahawks still have plenty of talent around their backup, Geno Smith. What concerns you the most from a matchup standpoint when the Jaguars are on defense? DK Metcalf, as well as Tyler Lockett. It normally would be a tight end. I don't know if Will Disley actually uh, scares us to death. He probably would if Geno, uh, if Russell was a quarterbacking, because Russell would understand that matchup and watch the film of what uh, C.J. Ozama and uh, the kid at Miami, uh, Jacecki, what they did to the Jaguars over the last couple of weeks. And even the kid for the Titans had a couple of nice catches. So the, the tight end position has really, really been the Achilles heel of, of this defense so far this year. Uh, whether it's the linebackers or the safeties, it doesn't matter. Uh, but with Geno at quarterback, I'm not as afraid of that. I go back to my original fear, which is Tyler Lockett and D, uh, uh, DJ Metcalf. And the reason why is because the corner opposite Shaq Griffin has not played well. And that's Tyson Campbell, who was injured last week, but he's coming back this week. And they've been picking guys up off the waiver wire and they've been starting. So once they traded away C.J. Henderson, they started to depend on guys that aren't very dependable. The thing with Shaq Griffin is, and you talk about your corners not playing well, and ironically, he's from he came from Seattle. He has played extremely well. And I wouldn't say he's played great because there were some times at the early in the year, guys got behind him. But he does have a, a, the ability to recover, and he is long. So having a step on him isn't really a step unless you're DJ, DJ Metcalf, DK Metcalf, because that means Metcalf – uh, has a range to go up and be able to get the ball in traffic. 
we saw the other night where he had a big play, which was not terrible coverage, but he caught the ball anyway. It's just that for me, that fear is tempered a little bit because it's not Russell Wilson and because it is Geno Smith. I just don't trust him very much, especially late. Yeah, it's not hard to understand why you would not trust Geno Smith after, you know, that 84-yard touchdown. He had 83 yards passing. The remainder of the game was 0 for 6 on throws of 10 or more yards. So certainly didn't do anything to boost the confidence level in the coaching staff. That might be why they ran the ball eight straight times in the third quarter, even though it wasn't working. They figured, let's keep trying because we're not moving the ball through the air. You mentioned Shaquille Griffin, and obviously very familiar with him have talked to him several times four years with Seattle to start his career. Have great interview. Great interview there, the uh, especially yeah. when you consider the Seahawks secondary situation without him, just unfortunately just could not afford to keep him. But right. I actually am really concerned about that matchup. Even though Griffin has never been a big interception guy, Geno Smith could have been picked three or four times on Monday night by the saints. And they dropped several of them. The last one, I think Demario Davis was just swatting it away because he knew the game was over anyway. But he could have thrown three or four picks in that game. And I worry about him taking some shots and the ability of Griffin to recover. As you mentioned, he did that a lot in Seattle because he's got that 4-3 speed. The mm-hmm. ability to be able to recover when he gets beat. I worry about him baiting Geno Smith into making a bad throw to one of his star receivers. And Griffin's going to know Metcalf and Lockett well because he faced both of them on the practice field for the last couple of years. So that kind of adds an interesting dynamic. You could say the Seahawks receivers know his strengths and weaknesses too from those practices. But I just have a concern about Geno Smith, you know, oh, DK Metcalf's wide open or Tyler Lockett's wide open and Shaquille Griffin ends up coming up and making a big play, getting his first interception this season. That is my biggest concern with Geno Smith under center. If Russell Wilson was playing, I obviously would have a lot more confidence, but that is actually a matchup that worries me a little bit. And you should be grateful that tight ends have been your Achilles heel because the Seahawks don't know how to use them and they haven't for years. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I think you should be grateful for that. Gerald Everett could probably have pretty good numbers, but they very rarely get him the football. So Jacksonville might not have too much to worry about. Or maybe this is the game Seattle actually figures out how to do that. That would be something. Yeah, it would be something because um, that has really, really been, if you look at tape, if anybody watches tapes, if there's a tight end around his league, he would be licking his chops. Uh, They've made everyone look like Travis Kelsey. And uh, if they're going to be good, that absolutely has to stop. Now, one area where they are solid, and it kind of works into what I consider a little bit of a weakness for you guys right now. They can stop the run, Jack. They got a couple of 330 pounders up front and uh, they do a really, really good job with their run fits. Joe Cullen came over from Baltimore. Uh, he was the front seven coach, obviously in Baltimore. Now he's the defensive coordinator. They play a lot of high energy up front and they're big and they're physical. So uh, you know, they didn't stop Derrick Henry, but nobody does. They contained him. <laughs> They contained him, and then he got tired, and then he was getting eight yards of carry and he ended up with like a buck 20 in the game. But early on, he was not that much of a factor. I think that part of it really, really helps Jacksonville, and it's going to give them a chance to mix some things up in the A-gap to try to knock um, uh, Smith off of his square a little bit. So if I'm happy about one matchup, it's the defensive line and the ability to stop the run with no Chris Carson, with not fearing play action, with Russell Wilson not being there, 
I think this is the thing that gives me the most confidence about Jacksonville being able to stick around in this game. Now, I am a little concerned about one thing. Seattle's lost two close games. They don't Teams like that usually figure it out that they've lost these games at the buzzer, and they've lost to, to teams that are probably a little bit better than Jacksonville. I almost wish they would have won the other night because maybe they get a little loosey-goosey and lackadaisical, but it didn't happen. Um, what, do, what are some of the other things that you're concerned with when it comes to Seattle matchup? Well, one other matchup that really does concern me, because you mentioned the D-line, and I don't know about them being able to run the ball. I mean, Steelers were a top-10 run defense, and they ran the ball really well against them two weeks ago. And then the Saints just stuffed pretty much everything that they tried mm-hmm. to do with the run game. So they've just been very inconsistent. But surprisingly, Dwayne Brown has taken a big step back so far this year. And the decision not to extend him before the season's actually looking like it might have been a pretty smart choice. He's had major issues. He's tied for the league lead, giving up five sacks, which he only gave up one all of last year. So Josh Allen coming off the edge really concerns me. Geno Smith got sacked five times on Monday night. About three or four of them were ones he had absolutely no business taking. Needs to get the football out. But at the same time, the offensive line wasn't doing him any favors, particularly the tackles. They might not have Brandon Shell, who re-aggravated his ankle injury that he mm. missed two games with earlier this year. So, yeah, the tackles against Josh Allen and those edge rushers, that is another area that absolutely concerns me going to this game. All right, I'll tell you what, segment number three, man, we're going to figure out some keys to victory, and uh, we'll do that on this crossover of Locked On Seahawks and Locked On Jaguars in just a second after I tell you guys about betonline.ag, betonline.ag is back and better than ever with the new web interface for the start of basketball season. And right now, during the World Series, you can really, really go on and get more props, odds, and lines better than before, way more better than before, way more better. I like saying it like that. Uh, BetOnline remains your number one spot for the basketball and football action this season. So head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus, that's right, on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From BetOnline, uh, you get football action, baseball action, uh, basketball action, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino game. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. The promo code is Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. Because Bet Online is where the game starts. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we thank you on Locked On Jaguars as well as Locked On Seahawks for making us your first listen every day. And we are free on all platforms to be your first listen. And we really, really appreciate you doing that because we are your team every day. I'm here being hosted by my good friend Corbin Smith from Locked On Seahawks about 10 other jobs he has, but we won't get into that. My man Corbin's <laughs> always busy with it. So give me your keys to the game, bro. What do you think it can be the Achilles heel for the Seahawks or the key to victory? 
Well, we're talking Achilles heel to the Seahawks. You know, there's only two Achilles heels on a human body, but Seattle's had about 50 of them in the last (laughs) few weeks. So uh, I I could talk for 15, 20 minutes about those issues. But looking at keys to victory, you mentioned the run game and having confidence in the front line for Jacksonville being able to slow things down. The Seahawks can't be stubborn about this like they were against the Saints, but I mean, they've got to find a way to be able to move the ball on the ground effectively because you just can't put Geno Smith in situations where it's third and nine and third and 10, and he's got to drop back and and try to win the game with his arm and sling the ball around the yard 40 times a game. You can't do that with him. And I think Jacksonville's got enough talent in the secondary that that could be a problem if you put them in those kinds of spots. So they're going to have to find a way to get the ground game going. And I'm not saying they need a hundred yard rusher like they did two weeks ago, but they need to be more efficient with their run game this week than what they were against the saints. Jacksonville has not been quite as stout against the run as the saints have been up to this point. So maybe a little bit of confidence there. And gosh darn it, use the tight ends. I'm going to stick with what you said there. I've been saying this for three years, Tony. I think all of our listeners on Locked on Seahawks are probably tired of me bringing it up. But I mean, every week I'm like, this is the week a tight end is going to break out. I've been doing it for three years because Gerald Everett's got a lot of talent. Will Disley is a reliable target. Colby Parkinson, I don't believe, he's maybe had one catch this year, but he Mm -hmm. was great in training camp. He's a big-time talent, and they're never trying to get him the ball. So I don't understand. If you're going to get him going, this is the game to do it. And I think it would really help Geno Smith because they weren't using the middle of the field last week. They were trying to take all those deep shots, long-developing routes. Use that intermediate game with Geno Smith. Allow him to get the football out quickly to those tight ends, especially Gerald Everett, who's so good at creating after the catch. Let those guys go to work, and then Jacksonville's going to have to make adjustments. That's where your play-action deep shot to DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett comes. When you've sucked those safeties up because they're worried about the tight ends, that's where you get those big plays downfield. They just Without Russell Wilson, they can't force the issue trying to get those big plays. And I think that last week, the the 84-yard touchdown to Metcalf ended up kind of not being a blessing in disguise, so to speak. I I think that they kind of were like, oh, we can get these big plays, and – the reality is you're not going to get many of those with a backup quarterback like Geno Smith in the lineup. You have to set those up. I think you do that with a run game and those quick passes, get the tight ends involved. Shane Waldron, I hope you're listening because this has been a problem for half a decade. Get the tight ends involved. Now you're right. And for us, our Achilles heel can be, if they're going to lose this game, it's going to be because, pre-snap penalties, long down and distance on first down. Although Trevor, in the past, that was a death sentence for Jacksonville because of Gardner Minshew and Blake Bortles. With Trevor, they can they can get a holding penalty. It can be first and 20. They get nine yards on second down, incompletion on, I mean, uh, nine yards on first down, incompletion on second down, and it's third and 11, and he can do it. That's what having a talented guy with a big arm gets you. You're never really too far behind. But you don't want to make a habit of it and be behind the sticks. The entire game because it starts to it starts to wear on you and it starts to make you dig into your bag of tricks too much and then there comes the interception or there comes somebody running free up the a gap from jamal yeah i'm talking about him running free up the a gap and getting a sack so what you want to do is you want to keep that thing at second and six second and second and three 
if you're able to do that, then you're able to hold on to the ball, dig into your bag, uh, use some clock up and get out of there. And uh, I don't think traveling, you know, everybody talks about traveling. I think travel doesn't bother two groups of teams. Traveling from Florida to the Pacific Northwest doesn't bother a veteran team or and a really good team it's because they understand. And then it doesn't bother a real young team because they're too dumb to realize it's supposed to bother them. You know what I'm saying? It's like a kid that gets on a roller coaster and doesn't buckle his seat. He doesn't care. Hey, you know, he doesn't even know he's supposed to be worried about that stuff. You only start worrying about it when you get old enough to fear it, right? So I don't think that they're going to worry about that. I think they're a loose bunch. Kind of in a weird way, the stuff that happened with Urban off the field kind of put the impetus back on the players, and it made it so that Urban kind of wanted to just fade into the background a little bit. And what happened is that one of the things that they were struggling on was their identity. And it felt like between Urban wanting to run what he ran in college and Daryl Bevel wanting to try to implement it and make it all work, the analogy that I've been given, it felt like they were eating fried chicken and ice cream on the same plate, which I like them both. I like them separate. It just doesn't work when you try to do it together. And it feels like what happened was Urban humbled himself a little bit, needed other guys to do stuff, and then in the process probably found out, I can really trust these guys. And it seems as if it's galvanized this team because everybody was asking them all of these questions. Those guys are hugging on the sidelines and they're reassuring each other and the players are taking a little bit more of a leadership role. And it seems like Urban's able to delegate authority now to his assistants. So now they do have an offensive identity and you will see a crisp team the way you've seen it the last couple of weeks. They came out of training camp, not really knowing who they were. And you saw them practicing. They, it looked like they were in preseason games for the first two weeks. I don't think that's the case here. I actually am going to stand here right now and pick them to win this game because I honestly believe I don't think they're a great team. I don't think they're a playoff team, but I did come into the season thinking they win six or seven games and be competitive in two or three more. That's where I think they're getting back to. And they got off to a little bit of a slow start, Corbin. But I think um, I think their Achilles heel is not as big as the probability that they're going to be able to find themselves a little bit uh, on this trip and, and win this game. And really, it's really because of Geno Smith. Yeah, and that's where I kind of sit at this point. I'm actually, from a analyst perspective, I actually think that this is a very dangerous matchup for the Seahawks team. And I mentioned earlier Trevor Lawrence being the number one overall pick. He's been that number one guy throughout his football career, moving up the ranks for a reason. He is a big-time talent with great football IQ, outstanding leader, outstanding teammate, and he's really figuring things out. Now that he has had a few games under his belt, like you mentioned, I couldn't figure out as an outsider, I love Gardner Minshew, but why were you giving him first-team reps throughout? That made no sense to me. But now that Lawrence is the guy and he's had these reps, he's gotten a more trust buildup, more connection with his receivers. They've got a really talented running back that I really like in Robinson. So this game really scares me. And – so for that reason, I actually am going to pick the Seahawks to lose this one as well. I picked them to beat New Orleans. You would think at some point, they can't go to 0-4 at Lumen Field, right? Well, you don't have Russell Wilson, and I think that they are learning their lesson right now. He has been able to cover up so many mistakes that the front office has made. They have not right. drafted worth a crap they haven't, right. for the last four or five years. DK Metcalf has been the one exception. They just haven't drafted well. The guys they picked have gotten hurt. Marquise Blair just had another season-ending injury. 
Uh, LJ Collier is a healthy scratch because they've basically given up on him. And he was a first-round pick a few years ago. They have just not been able to restock the cupboard. Russell Wilson has made it that that has been amassed because he's such a phenomenal player. And they have some other talented guys. But now that you don't have him there, I mentioned this the other day, the chickens have come home to roost. Mm -hmm. and this football team just isn't very good. They're trending in the opposite direction of the Jaguars. I think the defense is playing better, but I don't think that they can make up for the fact that this offense right now is a sinking ship without a captain. They don't have a coordinator that is making the plays to help Geno Smith be successful. Geno Smith is a backup for a reason. Their run game is too inconsistent. So I actually think Jacksonville wins this one 27 to 21. I think the Seahawks are going to find a way to get three touchdown drives in this game, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I, I think Jacksonville is going to be able to have enough success on offense, might even have some special teams plays. Seattle special teams have been breaking down the last couple of games. I just don't have a good feeling going into this game. Until they get Russell Wilson back, it's hard for me to be optimistic because they just have too many cracks on this roster now. I'm going to go 24-20. I think that's going to be the score. Uh, we're close enough on those numbers. Uh, I don't do the analytics, but I can tell you who does. That is Brian Peacock. He loves those numbers and loves those analytics and can break that down with you on the Peacock and Williamson podcast. And Williamson, by the way, used to be an NFL scout. So he can tell you all the things you need to know about those Seahawks bad drafts and why they had not worked. So you can check out the Peacock and Williamson podcast and make that your second listen of the day and find that wherever you get your podcast and make sure you describe. It's been fun. It's been good to cross over. We're probably almost the two guys that are farthest away from each other. Uh, I think uh, Crabs down in Miami is probably a little further away from you than I am, but it doesn't get much further just, than Seattle and Jacksonville, yeah. right? Maybe Tampa too, those Yako and those guys. But it's been fun, man. I appreciate you, and uh, I'm sure uh, we'll have a lot to talk about come Sunday night after the game. So uh, for Tony Wiggins and Corbin Smith of Locked on Jaguars and Locked on Seahawks, we appreciate you joining us for this crossover. Thank you very much. Take care of each other. We'll see you next time. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.